All right, good morning, beloved. This is a great Sunday. Good to be with you. Let's get into God's Word together. Would you find the book of Acts chapter 9? Acts chapter 9, I want to greet all of you joining us online, wherever you are in the world. Welcome. Find Acts chapter 9, however you get into God's Word. You could also use the YouVersion Bible app. All the notes and the verses we're going to talk about today will be right there in the palm of your hand, if that's how you want to roll. But regardless, let's look at Acts chapter 9 together. And as you're doing that, just uh, picture this, okay? You're growing up, and you're on this team, all right? Pick your favorite sport. You're on this team, and your team's pretty good, and you win more than you lose, and you got good team uh, chemistry, and you work well together. You love one another, uh, but, you, but you have this crosstown rival, all right? You know who I'm talking about, that crosstown rival team. You just hate that team. And even worse than that, there's this player on the other team, that crosstown rival team, who is just a dirty, rotten, no good player. And that player over the years has actually intentionally injured and harmed several of the players on your team. You hate that guy. Well, then lo and behold, that guy's family, his dad gets a new job and they move across town into your uh, school district. And now that guy's on your team. And so that guy, that dirty, rotten, no good player, shows up in the locker room and says, hey, guys, I'm now on your team. How would you feel? Well, I think the disciples of Jesus felt something similar when this guy named Saul showed up in their locker room. Here's how the Bible records it. It goes like this. In Acts chapter 9, verse 26, it says, when he came to Jerusalem... He tried repeatedly to associate with the disciples, and yet they were all afraid of him, and they did not believe that he was a disciple. Okay, so here's the background story. There's this guy, Saul. If you are here with us last week, Eric talked about how this, this guy aggressively arrested and persecuted followers of Jesus. That's this guy. Well, earlier in this chapter, in chapter 9, if you're familiar with this story, he and his tribe are, are marching down the road to Damascus when he meets Jesus Christ, or maybe better said, Jesus Christ meets him. And he shows up and Jesus says to Saul, he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul says, Lord, who are you? And he says, I'm Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now, go to Damascus and I'll give you further instructions there. That's what the Lord told him. And so sure enough, Saul goes on to Damascus. The Holy Spirit leads this other guy named Ananias to come and minister to him, and he regains his sight. And Saul immediately begins preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ there in Damascus. He's going around from synagogue to synagogue telling people about Jesus. And then he comes over, and he goes back in, into this new locker room with his new teammates and says, hey, guys, I'm on your team now. And the guys are like, right, <laughs> Now, why? Well, this passage says so. Saul repeatedly tried to associate with the disciples, and yet they were all, first of all, afraid of him. And then second of all, they did not believe that he was a disciple. Now, you can understand that. You can, you can you know, feel what the disciples felt by stepping into their shoes. But also, just for a second, I'd also like for us to feel what the Apostle Paul, or what he will become the Apostle Paul, what Saul felt at that moment. Would you step into Saul's shoes now? Here you are, you've met Christ, you've seen him, you're preaching him boldly. You come to your new teammates and say, hey guys, I'm on your team. And they're like, nope. And it says repeatedly, time and time again, he kept trying to connect with these guys and he was repeatedly rejected. 
Have you ever been rejected? How many of you have ever been rejected in some form? Yeah. Young people live long enough, it's going to happen. That's just part of life in this world. Rejected by a school or fraternity, sorority, club, job, promotion, lover. Rejection is part of life. And you know what? It hurts. Especially when you're repeatedly rejected by these guys you just, you just want to team up with. So can we just, we can feel what the, the disciples felt and understand where they're coming from. But can we also feel what Saul felt at this moment? In his rejection there, he sits all alone until a hero emerges in our story. Verse 27. But Barnabas took hold of him and brought him to the apostles and described to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had talked to him and how he had spoken out boldly in the name of Jesus at Damascus. But Barnabas, there's our hero. What a courageous act by this guy Barnabas. Saul had been rejected by all the other apostles, by all the other disciples, but Barnabas stepped into the situation. A courageous act of kindness by this guy Barnabas. Now, maybe you've heard of him, but who is this guy? Well, this is actually our second time to meet him in our story. The first time we met him is all the way back in Acts chapter 4. And this is what it says in Acts chapter 4. Now, Joseph, a Levite of Cyprian birth, who was also called Barnabas by the apostles. So there, beloved, Barnabas actually isn't his real name. His real name's Joseph. But the apostles called him Barnabas. They gave him a nickname, which translated means son of encouragement. He owned attractive land, and so he sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Isn't that cool? So, I don't know, guys like to give each other nicknames. Have you noticed that? Ladies, I've noticed you don't do that as much as we do. But we like to give each other nicknames. When I was growing up, we had this friend, Brian. We called him Pie Face. <laughs> Brian, if you're listening, I'm sorry, bro. I don't really know why we called him Pie Face. Maybe because he has a big, big round face. I don't know. Uh, but we called him Pie Face. That's a terrible nickname. But the apostles gave Joseph a nickname, Son of Encouragement. Now, that's a good nickname, son of encouragement. And here, his act of encouragement was to sell an extra piece of land that he had and give the money to the church because there were lots of new believers and they all had needs. And you know what, beloved? May I just say it? I think we could all use a Barnabas in our life. From time to time, especially if you're like Saul, you're in uh, isolation, maybe you're despondent, maybe you've been rejected. How cool would it be for God to send a Barnabas along your way? You know, I've been a leader of our church for quite a while now, and I faced my share of rejection and antagonism. Every leader does. Some of it's deserved. Some of it's not. But I have a friend in Romania who's been a, a pastor. We're at the same age. We've kind of grown up together as pastors. And in that former communist country, with, with him being a pioneering pastor in Romania, he has faced way more than I have. So I called him up. I said, hey, Christian. His name's Christian Barbosu. I called him up and said, hey, Christian, I know you faced a lot of opposition in your ministry. Has God ever sent a Barnabas or two along the way to help you out in your church? And here's what he said. Barnabas are angels in human bodies. They come when you expect them the least and bring what you need the most. About 10 years ago, 
because of various plots from several legalistic groups from inside and outside of our church, we lost our building and everything in it, like chairs, rooms, all of our equipment, microphones, speakers, lights, mixer, everything. And for a few weeks, we started to meet in a restaurant. Now, a couple of days before this happened, a husband and a wife who attended our church for quite a while, she was a prodigal who started to come back to faith in our church. Uh, her husband was a Catholic, very close to becoming a believer. We've all knowing about what's happening, but obviously led by the Spirit, came to me and said, Pastor, we sense that there is a church, a crisis in the church. If it gets worse, and if you need to move to some other place, feel free to contact us because we can provide a stage for you and the worship team with everything on it. We have mics, we have lights, cameras, everything. Just let us know. Hmm. I didn't realize then, but uh, this couple, uh, I found out later, they were the largest company in our area that is setting up stages for all of the major concerts and events in our city and even in the county having enough equipment to set up seven stages at one time. Well, imagine that was very encouraging because for the next few weeks, as we move to that restaurant with nothing and transform it into the church, they were a great, great help. So thank the Lord for this Barnaba couple. But suddenly we found ourselves with um, another big problem and that was the building himself. The restaurant could not only host us only for a few weeks because they had already scheduled various events for themselves, like weddings and parties and so on. So we have to move. We didn't know where to go. And here came the second Barnabas. One of the most known mafia people in town offered us his nightclub. One of the most famous in town. It was closed two years ago because the crime was committed there. But this guy, I found out that one of his main associates, another mafia person like him, became a believer in our church. And since that time, he was holding a high respect to us, uh, probably because we're the very few churches around the area who may embrace a sinner like his friend. So he gave us his building right down downtown for a very low price. We had the building, we had the stage, we had the sound, the lights, all upgraded. We only needed the people and the preacher. Well, we were obviously there. But when we fought, it was for the worst. God turned it to the best using two Barnabas, one of them not even a believer. But this is our God who will never let you alone when you suffer for his cause. And if you're a Barnabas, and sense a need, never hesitate to offer your help. You might be an angel in disguise for many, like Pastor Sherm is for me. <laughs> Isn't that a cool story? That's awesome. Well, first of all, y'all know I'm no angel in disguise. But uh, it has been fun to encourage Christian along the way all these decades now. So sometimes, okay, sometimes encouragement can take the form of that, where you give of your material possessions, time, talents, and treasures. That's what Barnabas did in Acts chapter 4. That's what these guys did for the church in Romania. But sometimes encouragement simply looks like this. Would you go back and let's dig into verse 27, okay? First of all, here's what encouragement looked like in this context. Number one, 
but Barnabas took hold of him. Okay, what does that mean? Well, we don't have this verb tense in English, but it's, uh, it's called the middle voice. And he, it literally means he took him to himself. In other words, he embraced him. He welcomed him. You could say he hugged him. You all know I'm a hugger. I like hugs. Why? What do hugs communicate? I receive you, right? That's what a hug says. I receive you. You are welcome with me. Like there's a lady uh, who came to our church a couple weeks ago. She's newer. She's like, I've been, I've been coming the past few weeks, and I just want you to know, y'all are the huggingest church I've ever seen. <laughs> it's like, yes, she gets us. All right. Elders say, anyone seeking God's truth is welcome here. Now, we're going to tell you the truth, but you are welcome here. Anyone seeking God's truth is welcome here. All right, so Barnabas received him. The disciples rejected him. Barnabas received him. Secondly, it says that Barnabas brought him to the apostles. Great move. This is the Jesus way because Saul and the apostles were at odds. They were having conflict, right? They didn't want anything to do with Saul. So what did Barnabas do? He took him directly to the people with whom he had an issue. That's the Jesus way. He didn't go around town talking bad about the disciples. They're rejecting this poor guy, gossiping, slander, and all that stuff. No, he went directly to them. That's the Jesus way, Matthew 18, in order to make peace. And then third, he described to them basically Saul's story, how Saul had seen the Lord. Saul is now speaking up, uh, about the Lord boldly, it says. And so he basically witnessed or testified, or you could say affirmed Saul in front of the apostles. He used his, his good name, which the apostles gave him. He used his good name and reputation to bring affirmation to this other guy named Saul. So I just want to challenge you just to hit pause for a second and think about the power of affirmation. Have you ever received a word of affirmation or an experience of affirmation from someone? I had got to go on a special trip uh, last weekend. That's why I wasn't here last weekend. I was with my brother and my dad. And uh, I'll just go ahead and tell you, my dad's been diagnosed with Alzheimer's, okay? And so what we decided to do is my brother and I took my dad back to his roots my dad grew up in Connecticut, and so we flew up there and drove him back to his roots in Connecticut, and we did, quite honestly, we just did this trip down memory lane while we still can. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So you need to know my dad's dad passed away when my dad was 18. So my grandfather died when my dad was only 18 years old. He was a freshman in college. So the man I'm named after is my grandfather, my dad's dad, and I've never met him, but one day I will. He was a godly man. And so when my, you know, 18 years old is a hard time to lose your dad as a boy. And so fortunately in this small community in Monroe, Connecticut, there was this man, Mr. Benedict. He owned a feed store in town. My dad had to come home from college when his dad, dad, his dad passed away. And so Mr. Benedict took my dad under his arms, gave him a job and said, son, you're going to be all right. You can do this. You got to work hard, be a man of integrity, but I'm going to show you how to be a man. And for the next three years, my dad worked at this feed store, taking 100-pound bags of feed out to cattle, 
My dad was a hoss, by the way, at that time. But he, Mr. Benedict showed my dad how to be a man, and he affirmed him as a man. And so it was really cool to go back to his family and say, you know what, I just want to thank you. Mr. Benedict's obviously long since passed, but his children are alive. And I got to look his children in the eye and thank them. I said, you know what? Part of your dad is in my dad, and my dad is in me. Thank you for the affirmation that your dad gave to my dad. He is, in part, the man he is today because of that. That was a really special trip. So here's what I want to challenge you with. Who could use some affirmation in your circle? If you're an older person like me, if you've established some level of reputation, who's in your life that you could use your good reputation, hopefully in your good name and influence to to call them up and raise them up and speak well of them, even speak well of them publicly? Who could use some affirmation in your circle? Well, Barnabas affirmed Saul in front of the apostles, and it worked. How do you know? Next verse, verse 28. It says, and he was with them, that Saul was with the apostles. Saul was with them, moving about freely in Jerusalem, speaking out boldly in the name of the Lord. There you go. Saul was now with them. In other words, what? He's on the team. They're all playing together now. They're all on the same team. They're all marching in the same direction, and he is moving about freely uh, without restrictions, without mandates. He was boldly preaching the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ with the affirmation and approval of the apostles now. They're on the same team. The affirmation of Barnabas worked. It changed the course of his life, and it changed the course of the history of the church. But it did stir up quite a bit of consternation with Saul's old teammates. Verse 29. And he was talking and arguing with the Hellenistic Jews, but they were attempting to put him to death. Now, when the brothers learned of it, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him away to Tarsus. That's where he's from. Just think of the irony. Think of the, what's changed in this drama. Paul, who was once himself, you could say, a Hellenistic Jew, he was on that team. If you were here with a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how the Hellenistic Jews sort of led this this charge to stone Stephen to death, and Paul was there. Well, he's on that team. Saul was on that team, and now he's come to faith in Jesus Christ, and he's on the other team, and he's going back, and he's preaching to his old team, and guess what? His old team doesn't like it. They don't like it so much, they want to kill him. And so his new team, the the people that he used to persecute, now they're protecting him. Think of the irony of what's going on here. The, the teammates with whom he used to persecute that team, now they want to kill him. And the teammates who he used to persecute, now they want to protect him. Only by the grace of God can that happen. And only because God used a hidden hero in our faith story named Barnabas to do it. He changed the course of history. So may I encourage you, go be a Barnabas to someone this week. Okay, now from time to time, If you read through the book of Acts, you'll see that Luke, who's the author of Acts, will inject a a sentence or two that's kind of like a state of the church address. Like our president will convene the Congress and he'll address them with a state of the union address, right? Well, Luke will give us a state of the church address from time to time through the book of Acts. And the last verse in our chapter, verse 31, does just that. Let's close with this. He says, so the church 
throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed peace as it was being built up and as it continued in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it kept increasing. It kept multiplying. It kept growing. More and more people kept coming to faith in Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, this word is the word we get our word plethora from. You guys remember three amigos, plethora of pinatas? You guys remember? Okay. Plethora. There is a plethora of people coming to faith in Jesus Christ. The church kept increasing. This is why our fourth step in our spiritual processes multiply. We want to see disciples who make disciples who make disciples. We want to plant churches that plant churches that plant churches until all the world is reached with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what's happening here. They're multiplying. Now, why? What makes a, a church multiply? Four things right here. First of all, they enjoyed peace. They enjoyed peace, probably in two ways. I think peace with those outside the church and also peace with those inside the church. Peace with those outside and peace with one another because, well, they no longer had Saul persecuting them. He's now a believer, so that'll help. But also they had made peace with Saul. The scripture says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. They had made peace. They pursued peace and made peace and they were enjoying peace at this moment until the church grew. Secondly, it says the church was being built up, being built up. This is the word we get our word edify from, like an edifice, like a building. That's it. This is the, the, the word picture. To build up is the building up of a house, which have you noticed? There's a lot of that going on around us. Have you noticed? I mean, this is a great place to live. I can understand why so many people want to live here. Welcome. We're glad you're here. Stop driving so badly. All right. Okay. We're back. But when, here's, what, here's what I'd like for you to do. Whenever you see a new house being built up, let that remind you, man, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. As a member of the church, like Eric talked about last week, we're all teachers. We're all preachers of the gospel. Charles Spurgeon calls us a mutual instruction society. We all are to build up one another. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to be building up the church and pray for the building up of the church. That's also why it grew. Now, Pastor, what, what am I supposed to be building the church up in? Well, I'm glad you asked. Ephesians 4 gives the answer. It says, and he gave some as apostles, some prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry. Here it is, for the building up of the body of Christ. How? Why? Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. So just to sum it all up, how are you and I supposed to build up one another into spiritual unity and maturity so that you and I should look more and more and more and more and more like Jesus Christ together? That's church. You and I build one another up so we look more and more like Jesus together. That's church. That's why the church was multiplying. Thirdly, it says, they continued in the fear of the Lord. They continued in the fear of the Lord. Now, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of confusion over that phrase, fear of the Lord. A lot of people don't like it. 
I think a lot of the confusion, a lot of the error tends to happen in the extremes, all right? So on, on one extreme, if you will, I'll just say it, there's not enough fear of the Lord. These are the people who call God the man upstairs. These are the people who treat God like a Coke machine. They only go see him when they want something. They stick a quarter in of a prayer. God may have a Coke. Yes, please. Thank you. Right? And then there's the other extreme where it's like, man, I fear God kind of like like these horror shows going on right now. It's like that kind of fear where it causes you actually to shriek and to, and to pull back away from him. Like this fear of the Lord, like I can't get close to God because I fear him so much. Well, that's the other uh, false teaching, the other error on the fear of the Lord. In here is the wisdom, in here is the truth, where I think a, a healthy fear of the Lord is this, where you and I give him our highest reverence in light of his prevailing power and presence. Let me say that again. A right and healthy fear of the Lord is where you and I give him our highest reverence for his prevailing power and presence. That's to fear the Lord. And that's what this church was doing because when you fear the Lord that way, you believe God is with us, God is for us, and God can do anything he wants to do to accomplish his will and bring him glory and build his kingdom. That's how a church grows. That's how a church multiplies. And then fourth and finally, they continued in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. I love that. They continued in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is just like Jesus had promised. You remember this back in John 14? He promised to send the Holy Spirit as our comforter. Here's what he says. And I will pray to the Father, and he will give you another comforter, so that he may be with you forever, which is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because the world neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. That's hugely important. We're talking about the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, who is with us and in us, who is our comforter. Now, this word comforter, we don't have a direct equivalent in the English language, but it's the word paraclete. And literally, paraclete means one who is called alongside. So I don't know what comes to mind when you think of the Holy Spirit as your comforter. Maybe you think of the comforter on your bed in the winter. That's when it's cold, you put the comforter on, and he keeps you warm and safe. And that's okay, but that's not enough. Can I just say it? That's not enough. There's more to it than that. The Holy Spirit being our comforter literally means he's at our side. And it's also in the spirit of, you remember Psalm 23? Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Now, I'll be honest, as a young man, okay, when I first came to Christ, I, young people, I grew up in a generation where rods were not comforting. You know what I'm saying? All right. Mm. Anyway. But so when I read that, I was like, how in the world, why in the world, God's got a rod and a staff? How is that comforting to me? Because you have to think like a sheep, and God is your shepherd. And so as a sheep, you look to your shepherd, and you know that your shepherd is there for you, and he is there to protect you. And so when a wolf comes who wants to bite you and eat you, the shepherd will use his rod to beat off the wolves. That's what that means. That's why thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me because we know that God is with us and that God is for us and that God can beat off our enemies. That's the rest of comfort. I, when I think of the Holy Spirit as my comforter, I think of it like these two dogs we had when I was growing up, Sheena and Peppy. We had a big dog and a little dog, all right? So we had this big dog and this little dog, all right? And I promise you this is true. 
uh, we'd take the dogs for a walk. I'd take the dogs for a walk. And Peppy was a little French poodle, all right? That's why we called her Peppy. So little, little tiny French poodle and big uh, German shepherd. These aren't the, them, by the way. I couldn't. These are not them. But it's a big dog and a little dog. So picture whatever you want. Okay. Big dog and little dog. And little pet, little pet, can I say this? Little French poodle Peppy, she kind of had little dog syndrome. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> she was big dog and hard, little dog and body, right? And, and so whenever we'd go for a walk, you know, little dog, big dog, take him for a walk. And Peppy would see another dog. Instinctively, she wanted to like bark and fight, right? But I promise you, as God's my witness, this is true. We'd be going for a walk, Peppy would see another dog. But before she barked and wanted to attack, she looked just to make sure Sheena was there. <laughs> Is the big dog there? Yep. Okay. <laughs> right? So I'm telling you, can I tell you the truth? You are just a little dog. But the big dog is at your side. <laughs> so that's why, that's the Christian life. The Holy Spirit is your paraclete and he is at your side. And like Jesus promised, we, we worship God and we fear God and we revere God because he sits on his throne and he's above us. But we take comfort in the fact that he is also beside us. He is with us. He is for us. The big dog is with you. Come on, man. You can live. You don't have to live in fear. You can live in confidence. You can advance the kingdom of God. You can do your part to advance the kingdom of God because you know that the big dog is with you. So may I encourage you, church family, let's be a church that multiplies, that sees a plethora of people coming to faith in Jesus Christ because we're enjoying peace. We're building one another up. We're living in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Hey, beloved, the big dog is with us. Amen? All right, let's pray. And so, God, our Heavenly Father, we lift ourselves up to you as an act of worship. This is our spiritual act of worship. We lift ourselves up to you, and we open ourselves up to you. And we say, Lord, we are your servants, your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. And so use us. Lord, it must be You've given this passage to this church on this day. So I'm, I'm really believing that there are people in our circles who, who, need, who need a Barnabas, who need some encouragement, who need some affirmation. I know there are lots of young people here and there are young people listening. And there are lots of young people today more than ever battling depression, wondering if, if you're going to make it. Young people, hear the word of the Lord. You got this. The big dog is with you. You can do this in Jesus' name. Greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. Take heart, my young friends. Jesus overcame the world and you will too. The big dog is with you. You got this. Be affirmed in Jesus' name. Lord, guide us and direct us to the people who need your grace, your kindness, your love, your mercy. Let us be the hands and feet of Jesus this week so that maybe we 
Maybe we could be a hidden hero in someone else's life story. That's my prayer, and I offer it in Jesus' name. Amen.